0: Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one thirty for 30 documentary each and every episode. I am Ren Clayton with Nick Rudolph and Sam Anderson, recording on Easter. Happy Easter, guys. How's it going?
1: Happy, Happy Easter, Easter, guys. It's going well. How are you
0: doing, Ren? Doing terrific. Doing great. Um, I, I said the day already, so we know that last night was a big night in sports, huge uh, um Across a lot of different sports. Jalen Suggs with the buzzer beater in the final four. Nick as our hometown college, guy. Yeah, hometown guy here in Minnesota. Nick, just thoughts on that?
2: Oh, it was awesome. Um, you know, looking back, I should have thought that UCLA was going to play better than I was anticipating. They played such a good game. Um, it was just like the whole first half, I just felt like they played as good as they could and uh they were still down by one and a half and i was like it that's just gotta you know turn where like gonzaga just takes over in the second and and they almost did um i forget how long uh it was left um but i want to say it was like between five or ten minutes left and um, I think their lead got to seven, and I was, you know, I turned to my wife, I'm like, here it is, like, you know, they got to make this run or else it's, it's gone, because you just see again, Zagan make that, that run, and, and they never look back, but UCLA just, you know, came back with a vengeance, um, I thought they were going to win um, near the end of regulation, um, Jalen Suggs with the amazing block uh, in regulation, and then the assist to, to Timmy for the fast break uh, dunk, which was sweet um what a game and then you know went into overtime and and uh it looks like uh they they had tied it up or U- ucla that is uh with seconds remaining and then all of a sudden uh you know against Higa brings it back and uh suggs gets a great look and and uh, the rest is history hits hits the banks three uh goes jumps on the table i love the whole interaction of jumping on the table yes. and Uh, After the game, he was like, "I just, I've always wanted to do like the Kobe or the the Dwayne Wade and jump on a table." And I don't know if you guys saw Dwayne Wade's tweet, but he's like, "Dude, I was jumping on the kitchen table like after your (laughs) shot."
1: (laughs) I I will say that that might be one of my favorite celebrations in sports. It's like if I'm making a shot like that, I'm immediately going and jumping on a table. One, you don't have to be at the bottom of a doggy pile. Dude, yeah. It just looks so cool like up on the table pounding your chest like the whole team's behind you. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And think
2: of like all the pictures they're all below you. Yeah. And so you're just like, you know, looking up and you all these chapters and yeah. I was looking literally looking today
0: just thinking about it again and I looked up pictures just googled the image because I wanted to save a couple of those pictures where he's just standing up there and just like looking up and it's just yeah it's so sick.
1: It is. I watched the replay of it. Oh, sorry. You go. I was going to say, I think I watched the replay of it. I laid in bed this morning on Twitter, and there was like constant um, reviews of those uh, on my feed, basically. Like, I watched the same replay probably 15 times from like different broadcasts. Mm -hmm. And it was the greatest thing in the world. I could not stop. I was watching it on different angles, like people's phones Uh, who were in the arena and stuff it was so cool
2: and it was cool seeing like you said the different broadcast teams it was like you know the tv the uh um uh now i'm forgetting uh westwood uh, radio radio. and it was like the gonzaga like adam morrison who uh, you know (laughs) was the biggest like gonzaga player is now like color commentary and he was you know going crazy and so it was cool to see that kind of closure i guess and or not quite closure yet but just him pumped about it um two things it was really cool because uh Jalen Suggs is like a really cool guy from all that I've heard um like all the interactions that people have with him um he played in Wasika, um la- or his his senior year uh so last year or yeah last year before COVID shut down and everything but um but he uh like came out afterwards after the game and like you know took pictures with like really young kids and and everybody in Wasika just had like such a good uh good things to say about him and and uh yeah it was just uh so it's really cool seeing Matt or seeing him do that from that perspective or just someone that's easy to cheer for. I
0: remember it was probably six years ago. It was probably two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. Um, that I was doing like producing a high school sports show here in Minnesota and you know there was big players back then there was the jo- the Trey Jones, you know G- Gary Trent was still like a sophomore or whatever. And we were hearing about this um, as we we're going around different coaches and stuff. We we're hearing about this middle schooler who was already playing varsity from Minnehaha. And we're like, oh, he's going to be the next big thing. It's like, which wishes is he going to play? They're already talking about whether he's going to play football or baseball. He was in seventh or sixth grade at the time. And it was Jalen Suggs. And we're like, wait, Suggs? And we're, you know, and we're just kind of learning over the course of this, that year, and maybe the year prior. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's Terrell Suggs' nephew or whatever. And, and it's like, oh, wow, I didn't even know he lived in Minnesota. And then, you know, flash forward to now, and he's like, Today, he's the most seen highlight in the world, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's so wild. Just that play, like, there's something about him, too. Like, and I haven't even watched a ton of Gonzaga games. I've seen tons of stuff with him, and I've seen his plays, blah, blah, blah. But there's something about that play where I, I saw the putback from Juzang and 3.3 seconds gets the inbound, and, like, there, I mean, obviously, my jaw dropped, and I was shocked, but there's something about it that I think a lot of people were, like, not that floored that he is the kind of player that would come up with this kind of thing and it's i'm not saying like i knew this was going to happen i feel like a lot of people were like it's fitting that like he's this elite and this like kind of just different tier of a player and it was I mean, it was an amazing game winner
1: his coach said that afterwards in the interview he was like i i knew it was going in when he shot it yeah which if your coach has that feeling then he's seen you do it in practice a million times and he, yeah, he just seems like a clutch player. And I, what do you think this does to his draft stock?
2: Yeah, I saw an interesting tweet about that. And, and, um, You know, the the tweet was comparing Jalen Suggs to, uh, I I believe his name is Jalen Green. Um, He was the one that went to the G League. um, And so he's making like half a million or, yeah, half a million dollars this year just playing in the G League. And he's going to get drafted this year. That's probably Um, what Suggs is making,
1: too.
2: (laughs) And so comparing... Him to Suggs, but Suggs has all of this notoriety and uh, all this reputation now that a fan base can totally get behind because you know he was in college and he he went to, I mean, obviously they're very good, uh, and so he's right there showing how good he is and what you can be excited about. Like nobody's watching the G League, even if that person, uh, Jalen Green, is like you know a stud there,
0: yeah. So, yeah, it certainly has that different even if it's even if you're not talking about for a team drafting you or whatever fan base even just for your own personal brand money making like you're way more marketable obviously if you're this if we're saying they're the exact same talent or whatever which obviously who knows but yeah you have that you also maybe have the intangibles of playing in these extremely competitive high pressure situations yeah, cool, cool moment. I tweeted that uh, he's my cousin after and one, one of my friends actually thought it, I was being serious.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's awesome. There's a lot, there should be some good Minnesota memes coming off of that, that picture of him standing on the table. <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely. So someone needs to put that to the Titanic scene, though, like the Titanic oh, music, because yeah. I absolutely love those moments that they put to, to Titanic music, and and it would be so perfect.
1: That would be so
0: <laughs> fitting. That would be. Oh gosh, I should say um, the the women's national championship was just given out today, won by mm-hmm. um, who won it? I already Stanford, Stanford. beat Arizona, and obviously yeah. Arizona had knocked off UConn a couple of days ago. One of the favorites, but Stanford with a big win to win it all. These tournaments obviously happening parallel to each other.
1: I, f- I found it super interesting that uh, I heard a stat that UConn has lost four straight semifinals, and that's something that I—I I mean, I like very loosely follow college basketball in general, but uh, especially women's college basketball. I always just associate UConn with winning a national title, like at least. Every year or two, and to hear that they've now lost four straight, like that's really good for college basketball, I think, or women's college basketball, too. You
2: know what this sets up for? What? Paige Becker's revenge tour next year. (laughs) Minnesota, coming (laughs) back. Paige Becker's game
0: winner next year in the (laughs) final four. Buzzer beater of Mm -hmm. her own. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: no doubt.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, we have so much in sports, but Jordan Spieth just won today. His first win since the British Open in, in forever ago. I think it's over three years. He's been terrible in, in, until, like, the beginning of this year. And, obviously, he's one of the best players of all time, but he was lost in the wilderness for a while there. And now he's won the week before the Masters. So, as a, as a golf fan, that's super awesome to see. Ren, who should I bet on this week? I mean him, but you should have taken him months ago. And I and for me, I, I honestly was considering taking him, like putting a small bet on him in like early February when he was starting to show form. And but now like he's gonna be like the favorite, if not like he's gonna One be of top five. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So it's too late. Oh, I see. Unless you you still can't I, I mean I, I it's gonna be it the story just was writing itself with the masters, it's his spot and he has just so much history there
2: you got big old like birdie on 16 just to exercise the demons yeah
0: exactly i mean yeah he's had the good the bad there he's had the great and the terrible in his career and then coming back yeah i I know and there's not even that many other guys in form like like there's other guys that hurt blah 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 so but it should be should be fun the masters next week uh, let's get to our our documentary. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. Before we that's do a, that, just yeah.
2: a little self plug here. Uh, I am. Uh, you guys are all in the presence of someone in the top one hundred thousand of all ESPN brackets. Uh, so that places me ninety nine point three percentile. So, go Gonzaga. <laughs>
0: all hail! All hail!
1: We are worthy.
0: I I almost forgot to bring that up. That's a that's quite the accomplishment. Wait. Top one hundred thousand, you said. Yeah, I mean, thinking about how many actually submit, that's that's a good number. Right. I, I mean, I had the the, the top two. That those were my pick, <laughs> but I had pretty much no one else that advanced through the first round. But <laughs> besides Taylor <laughs> Gonzaga, <Katzega. laughs> for something. It's perfect I right finished,
2: now. I finished ninety nine point seven percentile, like in two thousand fourteen or fifteen or something. So. I don't know if I'll be able to crack up that high, just because so many people, I'm sure, picked Gonzaga to win. Uh, At this point, go up higher, but yeah,
0: you probably can't move a lot once you've gotten to this point because it's 50-50, But dang, yeah, I I picked Gonzaga to win, and that's the only thing I thought or knew. I didn't, or yeah, whatever.
1: (laughs) But good on you. Congrats. You win uh, the trophy. We'll send it. We'll mail it to you. Yeah, perfect. We'll have it made. (laughs) Um, Okay, Ren Ren gets the toilet bowl. The toilet bowl trophy.
0: (laughs) I I should have to do one of those those fantasy football punishments or whatever.
1: (laughs) You should, but but Rudy didn't actually enter our pool, (laughs) so that's an (laughs) automatic deduction of sixty percentile. I'd say so. You're probably in like the fortieth percentile, Rudy, after your penalty. So. Oh, man. Then I'm technically the winner, I guess. Dang. You got to follow through
0: already on that. Damn. (laughs) All right. The Dotted Line is the name of this um, 30 for 30 presented by ESPN Films, whatever you want to call it. It came out in 2011, directed by Morgan Spurlock, and it's about sports agents. It covers NFL. It covers MLB, um, and it talks about just the kind of it goes over the day in the life of different sports agents and it just kind of does a shot like a um, holistic view of kind of the business and it doesn't go super in depth to, it, to, it covers se- a couple different ones It, it these are the uh, sports agents that it interviews and follows along for for some of their work Eugene Lee who is an NFL guy David Falk, who, uh, is Michael Jordan's, um, um, agent and, uh, guy that got him involved with, you know, Nike and Air Jordan, obviously one of the biggest, you know, moves in all of anything. (laughs) Peter Greenberg is, uh, the sports agent for Johan Santana and other MLB players, a lot of them from, uh, from Venezuela. And... And then Josh Luke's, who is a now, who at the time of making this ten years ago was a real estate guy who had gotten banned or suspended by, like the NFL Players Association and NCAA and stuff for violating rules and you know giving all these college athletes money to um, have him wreck them and things like that. So there's some cool stories like that, and they got a lot of behind the scenes info. And it's not super in depth. It's a fifty-minute documentary, so it's not super short, but it's shorter than some of these ones we've done in the in the past. In the past few weeks, um, Sam, how'd you how'd you like it? Um, wasn't a
1: fan, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Rudy's laughing at me for saying that, but I thought that the focus was too much on uh, what was the football, Elliot. Lee, Lee Eugene Lee. Yeah, thought the focus was on Eugene Lee and just based on um, the information that they shared about him, like, I don't know how good of a agent he actually is because every player that he had went undrafted for the most part. Uh, well, the no, th- actually the, the guy who got drafted in the sixth round ended up dropping him like a week later. Oh. <laughs> and then every other player that he had went undrafted. And I was like Googling all these players. Cause I've never really heard of them. And none of them like had any sort of impact in the league and um, which shouldn't like, I guess, take away from the fact that he's still doing the, the job. But I just thought that the focus was too much on him and I didn't really learn as much as I wanted to, I guess, because I was so focused on the fact that all his players were going undrafted. And like, I thought it was interesting. It made me think about, you know, the role of an agent and like what happens when a player gets drafted in the first round compared to going undrafted, like how much money agents lose and the role that they play in getting um, players ready for the draft and everything. And so I guess my main focus was on the football one. And um, I thought that that was really poorly done, I guess. The, the basketball and the baseball agents were great. I just didn't think that that was enough of a focus for me in this doc. Nick, how about you?
2: Yeah, I I would agree from the standpoint of, um, look, as we focused more on him or as the doc did, you know, I was doing the same thing. I was like, oh, I've never heard about this guy. And here's like this agent saying like he's the most athletic linebacker yes. in the draft. Like blah 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 and so then so yeah, then first knew I was, that was
1: BS, <laughs> and he said it like five times <laughs> yeah. about and different so, players
2: <laughs> and so, I, so i was like first i was like oh these guys must have all flopped and then i like look into it and it's like oh undrafted undrafted like you know six round and like <laughs> okay so yeah. that's just bf and then he <clears throat> he just was like a character that i didn't really like um, because I'd watch and it was like, oh, you're the, mo- you're, you're our priority. And he'd say that, you know, to everybody, um, he was, it was just like, you know, seemed like a car salesman, uh, just trying to, you know, get everyone, which it is, I guess, um, it shed light to the fact that I would never want to be a sports agent, um, because I just, so many of the things that, uh, at least from the documentary's perspective that it would take, uh, like that salesmanship is just like, not what I'm about. So <laughs> it would just be hard for me to, uh, you know, do that, but.
0: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to do the job either. I couldn't do the job, but yeah, I, I, I thought a lot of the same things. I, I did like um, a lot of it, but I overall, I just thought it was too holistic and it was like dipping its toe and representing a little bit of uh, kind of the taste of a lot of these different agents and their, their uh, fields. And then nothing really going diving into the deep end of, you know, just kind of some really more interesting stories and, and uh, information and stuff. So at the beginning, the director does this thing that they do in 30 for thirties where they talk to the director for a minute and give him a soundbite. And he said like, this is to present the world of sports agents and, you know, the goods and the bads, and say you know, like a lot of people say, maybe they sh- they are bad for sports. Players are maybe making too much, and the, they're just making you know the industry all, with, full of negativity, blah blah blah. Um, and so we want to ma- give you all the info and let you decide. And they did a good job of not really taking a stance and showing some some different differing sides, but they didn't really give us like enough information to maybe decide for ourselves. And maybe there isn't enough, and maybe. You know like you just like there's no right answer but it, it wasn't super in depth and for a nine or a 50 minute documentary i thought it could have been more they did try to do a lot like you said with sam with the eugene lee thing and i, I feel like they didn't really have a good form, uh structure and they kind of found him and he was obviously really you know enjoyed being on on you know tv or whatever and you know he let them follow let them follow him around a lot and so they kind of ran with these storylines this fullback that wasn't you know drafted and stuff like that um and so that became a lot of it when if they had these interviews with michael jordan's agent that is the money maker (laughs) you know michael jordan talking about signing with nike you know doing all these things that should have been more than sprinkled in and 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 maybe that's was would have been a much better route. And then the jo- the uh, Josh Lukes, I think, the guy that got suspended it was, it was big, a, a huge scandal basically, you know, paying these UCLA players and all these d- different guys. Um, that was honestly one of the more interesting parts because I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they should have spent more time on that. So maybe the format and kind of just sort of the production was it's not up to par for what we were expecting. Um, I guess the, the questions posed are interesting though. What do you guys think, uh, Nick, about should uh, agents even exist? Is there a world where you can't have agent? You would not have agents, and it would be successful. And are they a detriment to sports and, and how the sports industry works?
2: Yeah, uh, lots to unpack. Um, you know, in the documentary, it started off saying that um, you know some NFL franchises wouldn't even talk to you if you did have an agent, and and um, and I feel like just as we or just as everything's like evolved over time uh, in the sporting world, I just feel like the money is too great not to have agents. Um, I feel like the more of the maybe debate would just be how far are you going to allow them to step into like, you know, people's lives and and what role do they play um, and how soon do they play? They talked a lot with the NCAA um, and and like, where's that from the standpoint of, Um, you know giving players money in college or not or giving players money to sign with you um, and that sort of thing and so I I feel like they have to be there um, or or at least like there's so much money involved that um, I I don't think they can't someone needs to fill that role I guess Um, it's just kind of what role what do you think Sam?
1: Yeah I'd agree I think the idea of a sports agent is necessary because I mean like like next year, Jalen Suggs is going to be in the NBA and he's going to be 19 years old and um, signing a contract, signing endorsements, all that stuff. And like, do you imagine being 19 years old and like trying to understand contracts and and all of that stuff? Like you, you need help, I think, with, with all of that. But then, um, you know, they have a bad reputation. I think a lot of it comes from the NCAA system, like you were saying, and how there's money being exchanged before these um, kids are drafted or play in the league and, and that's where like they're viewed as bad um, and I'm, I'm sure like there's some agents that take advantage of their athletes and stuff too but um, I feel like it would be tough to not have sports agents in the, in the leagues today yeah, what do you think Ren?
0: I guess maybe a lack of a sports agent would make a little bit more sense for maybe an individual sport where you don't play for a franchise. But being, being that there are like these franchise owners and everyone stakeholders, these players would just be taken advantage of because it would be a whole slew of lawyers or whatever and all the money in the world that these owners have to try to, you know, spend as little as possible and get as much return with these players that are, in this case, not repped by anyone if they didn't have agents. And so yeah, it would just be lopsided, and it it would make more sense to maybe not have to have agents for uh, individual athletes. But that just that also presents other issues with sponsorships. And so I've never really th- like considered that that agents would be uh, an a option to not have. Obviously, yeah, there is negatives, and um, but I think the pros outweigh the cons. There was the, also the question of. Do people make too much, uh, Sports players make too much money, and also I thought that was kind of silly too, because if you're talking about all the money within the sport, that whatever you know, names Johan Santana, like he was in this documentary, like he would that he was made, he was the the had the biggest pitcher contract ever at the time, but like there's so much other money that he brought in and that is involved in sports that he didn't even bring in, but like so I don't I just think when people see um, a big contract, maybe they're like thinking it's crazy because they're just playing a game but there's so many other factors to that so i, I just, i've always kind of thought that reaction to a big contract was a little silly how about you guys
1: isn't there a saying that's like you're worth what somebody's willing to pay you or something and right if an owner can afford to sign you to a seven-year 150 million dollar contract then i think you're you're well worth that and you know they're making enough money where they can afford to pay you and yeah it's a it's a game but how many millions of people are willing to spend their money to go watch those players play. And, um, so yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. I get a lot, um, or that, that stand or that, um, viewpoint a lot <clears throat> within like, you know, patients I talk to or uh, that I have and everything. They're like, Oh, that player gets paid too much to, you know, whatever. And just to play a game. And it's like, you can, you can argue with the thought of it that they just play a game. They get paid a lot, but, but the root cause, like, they get paid so much because I'll pay attention to it. And, you know, like there, it's such a big market, you know um, if, you know, it was something that you had to invest in and it was a different job. Like it's just like where the money's at, I guess, like money at, isn't at other places that even if uh, like a job may seem like it's more essential uh since we all know what essential jobs are now in the last year um since that term gets thrown around a lot but um you know and and i think that goes to the um you know saying that you said sam where it's like you're worth what someone's willing to pay well you know if all of america is wanting to watch football uh you know that's a that's a large money uh you know uh revenue cost driven league and and that's going to go to the players and Um, as it should Um, it shouldn't just go to the to the league or to the owners and people would be complaining about that anyways too so
0: yeah exactly and it's I mean there's money surrounding all these things I mean it's it's the ad sales for the game on the field it's it's every the food the events the sponsorships the companies that are doing sponsorships that are bringing clients blah 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 so yeah it's just so it's and it's not yeah it's not like like it's just anyone that's out there with no, no other money being involved, and I'm just making money for being good at doing fill in the play. Um. Yeah.
1: I, um. I was just gonna say, I think that this documentary like missed, um, missed out on an opportunity to share more about how contracts are negotiated, and like, yeah, they talked about it a little bit. Where you know he was t- Johann Santana's, um, what Peter Greenberg? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was talking about, you know, when you're trying to get a player like Johan Santana a contract, you need to look at players who are similar in ability who have recently signed contracts. And I, I thought that was, you know, interesting and something that uh, is pretty well known, I think. But like, I think they really miss out on an opportunity to go more into detail on that. That was like 30 seconds. And that yeah. whole 30 seconds, I was, you know, keyed in on it, really excited to learn more. And then all of a sudden it was done. That whole idea was was gone. and they were, moving on in the documentary. And so I would have loved to have had five or 10 minutes, maybe even, I know it's probably against the rules or whatever, like some behind the scenes of contract negotiation where he's like, you know, an agent sitting in with a GM or um, a contract person for, for a team and actually discussing a contract. I think that would have been super interesting to learn about.
2: And I think that's kind of why we had to deal with the football uh, agent that we did, it wasn't like you know Drew Rosenhaus was going to allow ESPN to come in and and uh, you know everything like that. So it's kind of at least I thought, and, and this guy probably viewed it as a huge um, you know publicity deal uh, to allow ESPN to get in there and he can get his name out more and that sort of thing.
0: That's dead on accurate. Like yeah, he was like this hustler, and he he was clearly several tiers down from the all pro players or whatever Mm -hmm. all right let's uh give this one a rating uh i'll start i am next i to be happy with my my decision here to give this one a there we go a (laughs) a 4.45 so that's it and i'm giving it easter bunnies because it's easter today and there was this this guy that said uh you know, Josh Luke's was in the car, and he he said, "This idea that we're not going to be in contact with them until their season is over." Hey, the Easter Bunny also doesn't exist. And I watched this on Easter, and I thought
1: it was fitting. Love it. The reason I yeah, my, the reason I put my hands in the air, Ren, is because we're like totally on the same page with Docs lately, man. <laughs> oh yeah, one uh, mind.
0: <laughs> one
1: mind. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just give mine one yeah. second. Let me just write Easter bunnies. Okay. Um, I gave mine 4.4 super size me, super yeah. size me's. Um, so th- if, I don't think you said this yet, Ran, but the director is the same director from super size me. Oh, and no. so the whole time it was a very similar like layout to how, I don't know if you've, you've seen super size me, but it's, it's a really interesting documentary and I think it like really changed a lot of things in the fast food industry and like what we know about nutrition and stuff but um, it's laid out very similar and like every time I heard his voice come over as the narrator I, I was just like thinking I was in supersize me. Um, I, I think like I said they missed out on an opportunity to touch on how contracts are negotiated I, I wish that I would have um, known more about that. It wasn't super organized. The other really big complaint I had was even when they were um, interviewing or when like the Eugene Lee was uh, with one of the players, I I hated how they were like looking over the shoulders of the person and like looking right into the face of the person that was talking. Then the camera would shift and it would go to the other person and I just hated that like I just wanted to be like 10 feet away with both of them in the picture and I I don't know what are your thoughts on that Ren is that something that's like common in documentaries or I well yeah I'm
0: not really sure it is um makes me have two different thoughts one is that that's kind of more of a cinematic style right the over the shoulder back and forth conversation is what a lot of movie scenes are like Mm-hmm. And they're harder to get in documentaries because usually you're not as intimate and, you know, you don't have as much freedom to be wherever you want. There is, you know, the office does this great mockumentary style, obviously. And, I, you know, I listen to the office ladies podcast, which breaks down the office. And, and they're talking to one of the, the photographers, cameramen for that. And their thought in making it look like a documentary was to, instead of what the instinct is for cinematography in Hollywood is to zoom in and get tight for emotion is to maybe is in the office. A lot of times they get, they get farther. And so, and that portrays uh, like a heavy or emo- emotional scene even better. And, uh, and so like, that's what my, that made me think of. It's like when you give the uh, participants some space between you, the camera and, uh, and the scene it almost seems more realistic and maybe maybe the scene has more gravity and and i think that definitely right applies here because yeah we were seeing his pitches to all these athletes and it seemed even weirder that they were right on top of the cameraman right on top of, and it's not like you can just put that out of your mind it was a documentary so that's right. actually super interesting
1: Yeah, they were right up in the in the business of the players and it was to the point where like you could tell that the players were trying not to like smile and like pretend the camera wasn't there and it was just so awkward and obvious in my opinion and so I just I just wasn't a fan I thought it was one of the worst produced ones that we've seen so far and um, there's a lot of missed opportunities and too much focus on the, the wrong thing I think.
0: Before Nick, you go, I, I did think it was it was a low budget sort of style. And now that you say mm-hmm. there was Morgan Spurlock, uh, was, the, w- was that was that supersized me? Was it like that budget level, would you say? Or was it? Was yeah, I think it,
1: okay. uh, it might even been lower budget. It was like very low budget. It just basically him with a camera walking around McDonald's and his apartment pretty much. So highly recommend checking it out, though. It, I feel like it actually did change documentaries.
0: It, I mean yeah it's it's famed and it's like the gorilla style right like this one was too at times where it's like you're not necessarily allowed to be here like the one scene at UCLA where the guy just drove him up to the practice field and like we're not supposed to be here, but we can be because no one's you know saying no and so that was right. nice. it was really good but but yeah interesting
2: all right I'm kind of the same line logic with you guys as far as the rating goes um, just a little higher but not necessarily for any good reason other than as i was looking at some of my other ratings i just don't i don't like the other ones (laughs) so uh 4.8 uh out of context bible verses because eugene was trying to recruit this guy using the classic jeremiah phrase of prosperity gospel and i'm like okay come (laughs) on man (laughs) Man,
0: that used to be one of my favorites when I was little, that verse, and it's just so it's so just overused, man.
2: Yeah. So um, it's the um drive plans for you and plans to prosper and I was just, just like, oh gosh.
1: Classic <laughs> <That's
0: cringey>. Eugene. <laughs> he was so heavy handed. <laughs> it was so, it was cringe worthy, honestly, the way he was doing that. Uh
2: um,
1: about what do you I Oh also... sorry I
0: didn't mean anything.
2: No, I was just going to mention something else. If you have something on our boy, Eugene, that's all right. You can
1: go. Okay. I just want to say one thing about Eugene. How about the email that he sends the team that's like, hey, uh, just so you know, the Giants were like really interested in my guy and they haven't picked a linebacker yet. Like he tried to force the other team to like pick his player and then he just gets a response from the scout like, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> I was also, like, Dude, you don't have influence. Stop.
0: I was so shocked. And I eventually I realized that it was because he wasn't representing high, you know, high quality players. I don't know. They're all obviously good, but like not the best of the best in the draft, because I was surprised that he didn't know before the TV announced that his guy get drafted. Like when he get a call, when his player get a call, like mm-hmm. at least a few minutes before that's how it usually happens. But I guess maybe sure. at around six, it's different or something. But they were just waiting, like, watching ESPN like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Anyway, go on, Nick.
1: Yeah, sorry, Nick. Just had to throw that in there.
2: So back when they were talking about the NCAA reporting system, um, and they said there was, like, one investigator for – they showed a ratio, like, one for every, like, 11,000. And then they showed a picture of a guy in a stands being the one. And then they showed the whole football stadium. And that was the big house in Michigan, which holds like a hundred thousand.
1: <laughs> I, like, I didn't even think about that. That's that is really poorly done.
2: I like stopped. I rewind and I was like, that's Michigan, right? And I looked up, that's dead. Whatever it Michigan. is, it doesn't
0: hold just eleven thousand. Holy cow. I didn't I didn't put that together.
1: Amazing. So, Maybe know, he got the number wrong. Maybe he meant like a hundred and ten thousand.
0: Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> all right nice. that is
1: definitely one of our lowest that might be our lowest ever no yeah it might be. i was
0: looking at my low ones and i feel like i haven't been low enough on some of the bad ones in the past because a lot of them i didn't really like are still fours but um oh yeah this
1: is this is definitely going to be the lowest one M- marion jones press pause is 4.67 and this one is lower than that
2: all right 4.5 5.
1: It's lot wow. here
2: in the making.
0: And it didn't it didn't even feel like that. I, it wasn't as offensively bad as maybe Marion Jones with some of the egregious mistakes. But yeah, it was just overall was not like a good net product. Right. Anyway, let us uh, move on from one we didn't like as much. And let's go to Mount Rushmore, which is themed for game winners, walk-offs, uh, buzzer beaters, that kind of thing. Because of Jalen Suggs' amazing buzzer beater last night going with game winners really however we want to define it I uh, just want to say before like a, like a, just a clarification like these these aren't all of them and we are not smart so like these are some that like <laughs> we personally like and came to mind <laughs> at least I'm not smart so but it's my turn to go first in the draft so I'm gonna be sneaky about it and I'm gonna take one that is you guys probably take I'm going with the Minneapolis miracle uh, Vikings for the Saints a couple of years ago, um, amazing. Stefan Diggs from – what's his name? Oh, gosh, the quarterback Case journeyman. Yeah, Case Keenum. Amazing game winner. And the thing about it that made it amazing, it was in the, what, championship game, NFC championship? No, mm-hmm. the round before that, right?
1: No, it was the – oh, yeah, it was the round before that. The, Sorry. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, to go but to it's because it's the Vikings. Like, they don't, they don't get – the huge breaks going their way it's the opposite generally
2: yeah and, we suck
0: as Vikings fans generally know so it was an amazing moment I was I was at a high school hockey game in South Dakota um I drove in the and near the end of the game and got there walked into the lobby and about two minutes in while I was just standing there before the game started it happened and there's tons of other people hockey moms and dads and kids and we were just shocked and it was like Crazy moment. Stefan Diggs chucking his helmet. One of my friends that works at one of the stations in town was right there, the cameraman, and he was right in the right spot. And He has this amazing video that he posts, like, reposts every once in a while. It's so great. Oh, my gosh. Um, that just is an awesome. amazing. Just a crazy moment. And really, it doesn't matter who you root for. Like, that was that was sick. That's the thing about game winners. If you don't, like, or if you're not rooting hard against the team at the time, it's just a great a moment that's fun to witness.
1: All for right. sure next the, up. Uh, the picture yeah. of Stefan Diggs with the helmet like flying midair and yeah. him just looking like a badass it's the yeah. coolest thing in the world it's great so good okay oh the kick six is that what it was called mm. um, Auburn Alabama when uh, yeah. they tried was it Alabama tried like the 50yard field goal it came up short and then the guy returned at 109 yards to win it I
0: I was thinking about this one and I forgot about it and I forgot to look it up, but
1: that's, yeah, it's a great one. That I was, was like, so cool. And all the fans storm the field afterwards. Mm-hmm. So good. Definitely one I'll never forget. So I'll go with that one.
2: Man, two football ones. I didn't even all minor mine are basketball. Imagine that. But, <laughs> <laughs> it is the season, I guess. Yeah. Um. All right. I gotta go. Um. So I have two, right? Okay, well, the infamous one, well, I'll leave that till the end in case it's still there. I I don't want to pick it, but it's just more of Minnesota making fun of ourselves. Um, Anyways, uh, the thing about a good buzzer beater is, what did you just say, Ren? That you always are excited about it, unless you're cheering hard against the other team, which I was in this one with Chris Jenkins hitting it over my Tar Heels, uh, hitting a three to win the national championship. And um, the reason I think because uh, Marcus Page hit a three, um, he like double clutched in the air, hit a three right before that play um, in order to, you know, force them in order to, to hit the three to win it. So I feel like that one was, was huge and obviously not, not my greatest, uh, most fondest memory, but, but it's uh, up there in the March Madness history, especially to win a national championship that's crazy referencing
0: that last night trying to put that one you know last night's into context or whatever yeah
2: Mm -hmm. yeah so that's got to be um mentioned up there too um and then i think you gotta put again another person i hate i guess or a duke person but uh christian leitner's um buzzer beater too i mean that's uh i feel like you always hear that and you practice that as a kid like you know you see the video and you practice that like doing the one dribble and then turn around shot at the free throw line so
1: i actually have a video of you doing that in indie remember that rudy
2: that's right we,
0: that's right
1: we went to the I ncaa to museum yeah. or whatever yeah and they have spots on they have like a basketball court and they have spots on the floor of like really cool moments. And so mm-hmm. I had I threw the ball to Nick and he did like the Christian Leitner like fake one way, dribble, turn and shoot. And he misses it, but still <laughs>
2: <out>. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All
1: right. So Christian Leitner, that that's a classic one. Um I'm gonna go with one that as i was just going through these i was like what was that what game was that that kem so kemba walker when he went on that crazy run with uconn and uh but before that he hit the the step back to win the big east tournament
2: oh no against
1: pittsburgh and it is like one of the nastiest moves ever and that like put kem i mean kemba was on the map before that i just remember watching that game and it was like totally who is this guy he is unbelievable and just and he's such like a killer like so clutch mm-hmm. that i'm gonna go with a kemba walker step back oh
2: that's such a good pick i love that. Mm-hmm. that play and is that the same year they went on to win the tournament
1: yeah it was i believe they like okay. went on a crazy run won the big east there. and then yeah. um
0: my turn i got two i'm gonna go with the one i i was i was not alive for i was dead for before i was born but uh I I've seen the video a lot. That's how I referred to it before I was born. I was dead. <laughs> I was dead. No, I wasn't alive. Argue with me. That's <laughs> That's fair. Um, twins. Kirby Puckett. Game six of the mm-hmm. World Series in 1991. Um, uh, and we'll see you tomorrow night. The famous call that you always hear here in Minnesota, at least Twins broadcast highlight reels. Kirby Puckett, went of all-time great Twins players, home run, walk off, and then they went on to win the, the game seven following that to win their second ever World Series. Still, they're still at two. so That's fun, but uh, yeah, that's a it's a great one. And then after that, I'm going Vince Young, 2006 Rose Bowl, running into the right uh, near the right pylon of the end zone uh, against USC. And Matt Weiner and Reggie Bush, and that's I've I always say it's my favorite, still is um, all-time college football game I've seen, uh, not in person, but um, and that's I mean the, the greatest uh, the you know pinnacle of the moment of that and walk-off fashion. And I don't know if there was maybe a couple ticks left on the clock, but it was pretty much it might have been zero zero on the game clock after that, so. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like
2: you guys are just nailing all these, and I'm forgetting, you know, <laughs> like like ones I didn't even think about before, and I'm like, oh man, it just like brings you back, like how great sports are and yes. how crazy you know, some games are.
1: I mean, I think I don't think any of us could go wrong with these. Yeah. Like the Chris Jenkins game winner was crazy too. Okay, this is tough. You guys remember? <clears throat> I forget which which year this was. But it was a big bowl game, maybe the Fiesta Bowl or something. It was uh, Boise State, Oklahoma. And they, like, went into a bunch of overtimes. And then to end it, they did the Statue of Liberty play. Uh, They went for two in overtime to win it. And they, like, faked the pass and then, like, behind the back handoff to – ian john i don't remember his name but a really good running back for them at the time and they ended up winning and it was just boise state upsetting oklahoma on like a trick play and um this one i want to say there's like a
0: 30 for 30 involving someone involving that or maybe it's a different feature i've seen or something it might be a 30 30 though like that i just saw on tv a while ago but that was nice but it might just be on that team even that boise state team but yeah, that's that's a great one. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow! Yeah. All right, enough of this national stuff. I gotta go local here, back to <laughs> back. So honorable mention, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. had this one game clincher. Oh yeah. Um, when he like tapped it out or like he he like stole it from or like intercepted it but he like tapped it and then he got one foot in as he was falling out and uh, out of the end zone and uh like they're on the goal line and and it, we were gonna blow a game and yeah it was it was huge so you gotta look up look down up but that's uh, honorable mention super bowl champ um,
0: Antoine michael jr now
2: yeah exactly Um, first one I'm going to go with is uh Blake Hoffarber, who was a uh Gophers um basketball player in high school. Uh, he won the state tournament um off of a game winning shot on his back uh from like a mid range or or almost the three point line on the sideline. And I remember that was like when I was growing up. And so then it was like immediately from that point on, it was like, you went to basketball practice and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to hit this shot. And everybody like, you know, went laid down and then just kind of kept trying to make it. And of course he never rarely made it at least. Um, but yeah, he like fell down during the play, the ball just kind of dribbled to him and he shot it. And it was a buzzer beater uh, from his back.
0: So good. I, that one was always played during state tournament time and, fittingly next week is the girls and boys high school state tournament here in minnesota
2: was it mm-hmm. who did you
0: play for it was it hopkins or
2: um
0: i can't remember Hopkins,
2: i believe i think so but why do i want to say minnetonka i think it was hopkins though. maybe it was
0: yeah anyway but yeah that's a great one
2: how
1: do you spell his last name
2: uh h-o-double-f um think he also had a game winner in the big 10 uh tournaments when he was a gopher but and then I got one more. Yeah. And I'm going extremely local. Uh with Wasika.
1: Wait, no, um, that was it, wasn't it? Anton Winfield? Or did you say that that one Oh, that was honorable mm-hmm. mentions oh sorry sorry my bad okay go ahead
2: um, Waseka high school basketball section um, section um to go um to go to state. And this was in this was think. Yeah. Um, i'll have to send you guys a video but it, it was a four overtime game and when you're watching if you watch this video it'll be funny because trey lance actually was playing for marshall he was a sophomore um and and wow. they had pushed it to a couple of overtimes and then i think it was in the third overtime it looked like marshall was gonna win was was down by like they were down three with like 1.7 seconds left i think um inborn inbounds to the um just to the free throw line uh so like three quarters court shot one or two steps and then uh and then nick dufault chucks it and then just swoosh and makes it to send it into a fourth overtime fourth overtime uh cole strike uh dribbles down and then hits a hits a three for the game winner as the buzzer goes off oh my God. so it's like, wow. like two in a row. Two. yeah and it, it was nice. just like the craziest thing they were they were on sports center like all week and all on media and it was it was really cool to see but i vaguely yeah.
0: remember seeing that video now yeah that's yeah that would have been just right after my time but yeah that's that's amazing because usually when there's an amazing you know buzzer beater to send it to another ot or whatever then it's like one team will run away with that next OT. Player, yeah, but
1: dang. Mm-hmm.
0: love yeah. it. That's awesome.
1: All right, I'm going back to Game Seven of the 2001 World Series. Luis Gonzalez taking on Mariano Rivera and the and the high-powered Yankees. Um, and he, I believe, he hits like a single to right over the second second base. I'm pretty sure. And um, it was just an epic moment and one of those. I remember thinking at the time, like, there's no way the Yankees will lose. And, you know, I was like eight or something, but it was right when the Yankees were like never losing anything. And then the Diamondbacks came in. I think they had like Curt Schilling and Randy Johnson and stuff. Um, but that was a big moment that I'll, I won't forget for sure.
0: My honorable mention is going to be, I don't even remember what it was. Um, there was maybe it was a first round of some playoffs. I think it might've been an extra game. In MLB um, regular season, technically a tiebreaker or one of those just one games. I think it was an extra game because it was a while ago. Alexi Casilla, uh, double over the first base bag to walk it off uh, for the Twins. And I don't even remember, like, all the details. But that's just my honorable mention. I'm going to go for my last one, Brandy Chesting, World Cup penalty kick. I've talked about – I think she made my, my list for, like, best celebrations or something a while ago on Mount Rushmore. But um, – just a great, just an all time epic moment. Another one of those iconic, you know, celebrations like we mentioned, like Jalen Suggs had. And she, you know, had the game winning penalty kick opportunity, blushed it, and uh, women, U.S. women won the world cup. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that rounds us out. And we all picked Jalen Suggs as on our, on our Mount Rushmore as well, right? Right, Nick?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: All right, that, all right this, I'll, I'll give it
1: to us here. Ryan went with the Minneapolis Miracle, Kirby Puckett, World Series walk-off, Vince Young in the 2006 Rose Bowl touchdown, Brandy Chastain's World Cup penalty kick. I went with uh, kick six, Auburn over Alabama, Kemba Walker's Big East back, the Boise State Statue of Liberty over Oklahoma, Luis Gonzalez walk-off on Mariano Rivera in Game 7 of the World Series 2001. Rudy went with the Chris Jenkins, Villanova game winner over his UNC Tar Heels. Christian Leitner, um, game winner over Kentucky, I think. Blake Hoff Arbor from his back. um, And then the Wasika 2016 sectional finals for overtime game.
2: I think it's hilarious that none of us picked uh, MJ's shot, like with the crossover, just saying. That,
1: or I was thinking about, like, his uh, NCAA his freshman year too, right? He hit the game winner.
2: Yeah, against Georgetown. That was the first thing to terrorize Patrick Ewing, and then he just terrorized him his whole NBA career.
1: (laughs) Wasn't he uh, Mike Jordan until then? And then I think the announcers called him Michael Jordan, and that's when – Michael took off I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure oh talk
0: more about MJ's brand right there dang
1: yeah isn't it funny though because like back then you didn't really hear about players constantly like you do today or you know you don't have social media presence and stuff so like if an announcer calls you something that's what you're known as that's kind of crazy
0: (laughs) that's crazy um and he, he can still just call him Michael even though most of Jordan, either one of his one name, you know, his first or last will work as an identifier just because there he is. All right. We're going to go to documentary wish list. Who's up this week? Is it, is
1: it you, Sam? Yep. I'm uh, taking it this week. Um, well, first, what if I told you that uh, Nick's wife has the, is the all time leader in three point percentage for the state of Minnesota. She <laughs> hit a hundred percent of the three pointers that she took in high school
0: wow very good an elite three-point shooter
1: so i would really like a documentary on that just how she perfected her shooting uh
0: steph curry of minnesota high school basketball
1: yeah why she didn't play college basketball all that stuff Uh, and then i guess another one that i'd really (laughs) like to see is so in 1904 the Olympic marathon was held in St. Louis, Missouri, one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, and I'm just gonna read some things that I just typed out. So it was, ni- it was 90 degree day in August. The roads were super dusty. Um, there was only one water stop on the course. And that's because race, organize- race organizers wanted to study the impact of dehydration on the runners. <laughs> um, One runner lost all his money gambling in New Orleans on his way to the race, so he ran in his street clothes. Another runner was chased off the course by rabid dogs. Um, One runner's trainer gave him, uh, for nutrition, he gave him egg whites, brandy, and rat poison. That's how he fueled his marathon. Yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, One guy started cramping, and so he caught a ride, hopped in a a car, and uh, drove 10 miles to the finish line, where he finished the race and was named the winner until someone called him on it, and then um, instead of just, like, admitting that he cheated, he was like, no, it was like a big practical joke. I was just trying to be funny. No, he Uh, is the
0: winner. That is is the proper way to win (laughs) a marathon.
1: That's true. That's a good point um one guy had so much like dust and stuff in his esophagus that he had to go to the hospital uh and then the winner ended up losing eight pounds and had to be carried to the finish line and so after this marathon i guess they did almost they they talked about never having another olympic marathon because it was just such a shit show
0: wait what is an olympic is that
1: longer olympic marathon 26.2 oh no. just a normal marathon like. Right? yeah so it was like the mayor it was the olympics the olympics got it yeah
0: the marathon so, in the olympics so they just decided that maybe they shouldn't be using people as like human guinea pigs about dehydration
1: <laughs> yeah i guess so it's just super funny and I, I mean obviously it wouldn't make a great documentary because there's no footage of it but um it would make just like i've read a couple of articles on it and there's like a YouTube video that I just watched preparing for this. And it's just so ridiculous to see that it was like 116 years ago or whatever, but they knew nothing about nutrition. They knew nothing about racing or anything like that. And uh,
0: rat poison will, will get the job done though.
1: uh, (laughs) No no kidding. That's amazing. I, like could you rudy could you imagine just drinking some brandy out in the middle of a marathon in 90 degree weather oh my gosh tell <laughs> <Kill> me now <laughs> here here here's some egg whites and some brandy and a little rat poison just mixed in
2: you know yeah, with, just, that, with that documentary you could um you could also like reenact it just like the silly little game did <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually a good
0: career. call that's a good <laughs> call
1: I volunteer. I'll (laughs) drink some brandy. Have some dogs on your heels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Set my dog off on me. (laughs) That'd be good. Just breathe in as much dirt as I can. And then Ren will just catch a taxi, an Uber to the finish line. And
0: And a win. Oh, that's so good.
1: That's like the office
0: episode, right? Where they do the fun run and a couple of the guys get drinks and then get a taxi.
1: That's right. You'll be sitting at the starting line eating a huge thing of pasta. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Got to carb up.
0: <laughs> Never eating so much fettuccine alfredo and drinking less water.
1: <laughs> just make sure you tape your nipples beforehand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Good stuff. Um, okay. we'll we'll round out with our traditional. If, if, Sam, do you want to get that ready the uh, next week? But, Nick, I want to just give you one. We only have a couple minutes left to talk about uh, retiring Roy Williams for your guys' yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, big big news out of UNC. Uh, Roy Williams is retiring. Um, he uh, won three national championships. He was the first or the quickest um, to nine hundred wins as the head coach uh, in college basketball. Um, obviously, uh, just a great human being to... Uh, any of his videos either just him as a person and his philosophies or just with him and his players and that interaction is special so uh sam will kind of do, but he's just a duke fan so it doesn't matter (laughs) um yeah i mean i i'm sad to see him go i hope they make a good hire um to to make up for him um I don't, it'll be so tough to, um, you know, fill those shoes, especially considering, uh, who he, um, you know, who his predecessor was Dean Smith too, who is just another icon. So, um, I've been reading into his, uh, reasoning for kind of stepping away and it seems like, um, now is just the right time for him, but also it's kind of aided by the fact of a transfer portal kind of stuff going on or kind of, I don't know want to call it drama, but just like, more options, I guess, easier for players to uh, transfer without any real uh, ramifications. And so I think that, um, uh, and maybe this is just me speculating too much, but just he, he likes that, um, you know, seeing a player grow from freshman year to senior year, and that's just not where college basketball is at right now. And, and uh, I think he's had some players that either have gone on to the NBA right away, um, or there's like a, a one recruit that, Um, was like number 15 to 20 last year and he didn't play too much but it would have been like a career trajectory of like psycho t or tyler hansborough if you remember him um but instead he's going to the transfer portal and so i don't know if i'm just reading a lot of speculation kind of thinking into that but um but regardless of the reason uh he's obviously done a lot he's getting old and he deserves to be able to go out when he wants and hopefully they can find a good replacement
0: Yeah, too bad. uh, Richard Pacino's already been nabbed up. He would have
1: been (laughs) perfect. But can't win them all. I see that they're interviewing Antoine Jameson for the job.
2: I saw that in Jerry Stackhouse. Okay, wow. I just think that's, I don't know, that kind of nothing against them that just makes me think that everyone's trying to find the next joan howard basically you know just kind of like with the nfl like everyone was going after the uh next mcshay uh or mcveigh excuse me um and, and so now it's like joan howard you know has had such success in his two two years at michigan so now everyone's trying to find that former player um with you know that's what the gophers did too so We'll see if that happens there. I've seen some about Brad Stevens too, because uh, he went to UNC, I guess, for grad school. And uh, people think that he's on his way out of Boston. So we'll see.
1: That'd be huge. If they could get Brad, Brad Stevens, that'd be such a good hire. I think that
2: would be so sweet. Yeah.
1: That would be very cool. Um,
0: Sam, hit us with what's coming up next week.
1: All right, fellas. Episode 35. We are going to get into horse racing for the first time, which is pretty cool. Um, it's called Charismatic, uh, produced October 18th, 2011. It's about the run of Charismatic and his jockey, Chris Antley, at the 1999 Triple Crown. Okay,
0: 1999. Um, very cool. I, I always love the Kentucky Derby, and I guess that's coming up in a couple weeks here now. And um, there's, like, some movies about, you know, Secretariat and all that stuff, and those are just always so – thrilling even though I don't follow horse racing at all except for uh, for about, you know, 90 seconds once a year but <laughs> right <laughs> um, Same yeah that that'll be fun cool mm-hmm. a good one guys a lot of uh, a lot of uh, excitement in sports right now so it's fun to hop on with you um, yeah anything else predictions for the masters ren i got to go jordan Spieth. i i i would have even liked him a little bit more maybe if he hadn't already gotten the win out of the way today but uh, tracking toward to uh, Augusta again, and it's one of the places where he's just so, um, you know, has so much history. Like I said, and uh, he loves that place, and he's he's one of the best players in the world again. And playing maybe better golf than a lot of the other favorites that would be there. So, you gotta go yeah, that'd be cool. All right, boys, have a good one. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy
2: Easter. See you guys later.